Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm super excited about today's guest. About three months or so ago, one of my friends had asked me if I had heard of this book, Give a Shit. Then, not even a week later, someone else mentioned it to me and said that I really needed to connect with Ashley because she was certain that she was my spirit animal. <laughs> Holy bananas. They were right. After reading her book, I knew we were going to be fast friends and I knew that I needed to have her on the show like ASAP. Like me, she isn't trying to be like super judgy or preachy about your way of life. She basically wrote this book because she's trying to invite you into a new way of being, a lifestyle of sorts that's fulfilling and a lot more circular than the one that you're currently living. And I think what's really fascinating about Ashley is her background. So she is a political strategist that turned into a vegan eco lifestyle journalist and TV personality. And so I think what's really fascinating is, you know, like a lot of us, she went down this road that was considered normal and practical and, you know, just checking all the boxes for uh, expectations. And she went against the grain. She went against the system. So I highly recommend it. Um, you can find it at all places that books are sold, but it's called Give a Shit do good, live better, save the planet. So it's really just a great guide. She's got all kinds of um, different sections in the book as far as, you know, home, closet, food. Uh, she's got great recipes in the book, but it's just, it's super funny. Uh, I One of the reasons that I loved it is because she curses a lot in it. Uh, which I love because it makes it to me a lot more relatable. She sounds like, you know, your best girlfriend, like you're just sitting on the couch drinking a glass of wine and just bitching about how people are treating the planet is kind of how I felt. <laughs> so, you know, our planet is beautiful and she provides us, uh, our planet just gives us so many things, right? And so uh, I think that if we don't all start giving a shit, as Joan Didion said in her book, Magical Thinking, Regret is something none of us know until we will experience it. So I think that's really where we are in this paradigm right now where we're all, you know, we've been stuck at home and the planet is going through a great reprieve and she's able to breathe and, you know, we're, we're really being able to see the damage that we've been doing to her getting the cars off the road, having the factory shut down. It's like the air is cleaner than it's ever been in a lot of cities. Animals are starting to come out. Um, you know, it, it's just we're, we're seeing so many things that we have never seen in our lifetime. And so it's proof positive the damage that we're doing. So today, uh, I do want to warn you, Ashley and I get really fired up in this show and we drop the F-bomb along with my usual affinity to the word shit. So 
I love saying that word because it disrupts your chi, right? When you hear it, you're like, oh no, she said a bad word. But if that ain't your vibe, fair warning, we drop them like it's hot in this show. (laughs) So today you're going to learn easy things that you can do to add to your everyday life to be a kick-ass eco-celebrity. You'll learn why being an eco-sucking parasite no longer can exist in our modern world and how everyone can join the revolution even if you still drive a Porsche and consume palm oil. Actually, you know what? I may end up on your doorstep if I find out that you're consuming palm oil. Just putting that out there. (laughs) Remember, your dollar equals a vote. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. So today we're going to talk about being eco and how all of us can start giving a shit. And it's the perfect time to be doing it, right? Are you ready? Let's get this party started. Hell yeah, let's do it. Totally feel you, sister. (laughs) Well, I am so excited to meet you. I'm excited to have you on. I'm sorry for the tech difficulties. I'm like trying to navigate this ridiculousness. We've been using Zoom for five years and like we've literally just been hawking the link to everybody and like nobody had any issues. And in the last week, everybody's like, we can't get on. And we're like, shit, we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) Totally. It's very, it's Zoom is just generally so overwhelmed. So this is, it's all good. We'll figure it out. Well, I'm excited to have you on. Um, I loved your book and I, it's just, it's nice to meet fellow eco fans, fanatics, crazy people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I had a meltdown. Uh, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called easy everyday habits to be more eco-friendly. And the reason I wrote it is because I had a meltdown in my kitchen over palm oil. And it's a good thing to get meltdown over. Yeah. Oh my God. I just, you know, people can die all damn day and I don't care, but you get animals involved and you get the planet involved and like, I get hysterical. So that's fair. I think that's totally fair, Amanda. Right? Like I, I, I'm feeling it. So like, I, I just, your oh, book gosh, is, your book is beautiful. The cover is gorgeous. Oh, thank you so much. So I just, I feel like you're my spirit animal. Like I read your book and I was like, Oh my God, she's cursing. We're going to be BFFs. Like, I oh, I can't <laughs> wait. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Well, thank you for inviting me on. This is all like really, it's an exciting breakup to the day, which is normally uh, these days just sitting here <laughs> working. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I, I'm excited to have you on because uh, the whole reason I wanted to have you on is because obviously, you know, we've got Earth Day coming up and I always look at April as kind of Earth Month and bringing awareness to it. And I think it's lame that we have to have a day to remind people, you know, about the planet. But, you know, if that's what it takes, then fine. But I think it's really great that, you know, we're going through this quarantine and people are like, oh my God, there's dolphins in Venice and oh my God, like deer are coming out and oh my, and it's like, yeah, dipshits, there's nature out there. You've been scared. Yeah. Right. It's amazing what happens when we stop fussing with it. Right. So I'm excited to have you on and and just, you know, share a point of view with someone who gets it and understands. And um, I'm hoping hoping that this is going to kind of create a a great awakening of, wow, maybe we should listen to these weirdos who are preaching about sustainability. Like maybe they're onto something, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's dive in here. I've, I haven't done the intro yet, but I will where I introduce you. So I'm just going to dive in and and introduce you and we're going to dive into this. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. (laughs) Hey, Ashley, welcome to the show. 
Hey, Amanda. I'm so happy to be here. I think this is going to be really rad. I'm really excited. I am so, too. I like anybody who uses the word rad. <laughs> we're already off to a rip and start. Yeah, we're well, and I was just saying at the top of the show before Ashley and I came on to the recording that I knew we were going to be BFFs because when I read her book, she curses in it. I was like, oh my God, I love her. Yeah. So, <laughs> I get in so much trouble for saying shit and the F word and, and saying things I guess a lady isn't supposed to say. So I was like, oh my God, my spirit animal. <laughs> Are we allowed to say those words on this podcast? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Okay. Everybody's got, you know, different different vibes. So it's always interesting to me when folks are like, oh, come on the podcast and talk, but you can't swear. And I'm like, my book is called Give a Shit. I mean, I I guess we'll just not say it. (laughs) Yeah. I actually, I say shit a lot and about, so I've had this podcast for 10 years and um, about five years ago, a woman left a comment on iTunes saying that she liked the show. However, she needed to be warned that Amanda curses. So I was like, oh, well, I mean, how do you warn someone? And then I learned about the E, like the explicit. And I was like, oh, well, apparently I'm like radical because I curse. So yeah, you're like a rap album from the 90s. Right. You know, like you always I had mean, to have the explicit lyrics thing on there. And I'm like, pretty, now everything's an explicit lyric. So right. It's like pretty hardcore over here. We're talking about hippie shit and saving the planet. I mean, we're hardcore. You are. You're a bad bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. So I, you know, I, we are shooting the shit here and people are probably like, what the hell's going on? And, and so catch us up. I mean, it's pretty wild that, you know, you're a political strategist and you're like going down the American dream, you know, doing the expected thing that you're supposed to do. And then you like, just take a hard curve and are, you know, go a totally different direction. So catch everybody up. What the hell happened? Yeah, what I mean, I like there's no catastrophic thing, I guess, thankfully, that happened. I just began to have, well, I began to personally explore veganism for myself, for vegetarianism and then veganism. And I got very into that as, um, you know, when people kind of newly adopt those lifestyles, I see a lot of my prior self in that because, you know, when you first adopt something, you go like really hard into it, you're like super gung ho. I was pretty militant into it personally for myself. And um, at the same time, you know, I was a political strategist. So I was working with, I was working at a firm and I was working with a lot of politicians whom I couldn't choose who my clients were. Um, So, which, you know, it's a job, but also I started to get a little disenchanted with essentially like creating messaging, creating resonant campaigns um, for people whom I didn't, feel either we're good politicians, if I'm being straight up. Now I'm not going to name names, you know what I'm saying? Because I got NDAs and stuff like that. But (laughs) there were definitely people whom I did not um, share like the same political ideologies with. And these were folks who didn't care about the planet. They, a lot of times, some of them didn't even seem like they cared about other people. And I was like, what am I doing? Like parlaying this skill set into making these folks seem more palatable when I could be doing something that could be helping, you know, all these other causes that I'm really passionate about, whether it's animal rights or environmental stewardship and, excuse me, through becoming vegetarian and later vegan. (coughs) Sorry, I'm like choking on my, (coughs) on my coffee. We're good. Um, Through those, I then begin to see how there were so many intersections to like being environmentally friendly 
um, through those like ways of living, how eating less animal products is better for the planet. And then I got really into be living more sustainably. So the two kind of just like my existing life and my disenchantment with that career that I had built for about a decade and liked so much. And then my personal explorations into just value systems that I was into, they just kind of came together in like a perfect storm or a supernova of me being like, shit, this isn't the path I want to be on anymore. Um, and I don't know what the other path that I should be on looks like, but I know if I don't take the risk and do something now, I might not. I was, this is about six and a half, seven years ago. So I, you know, I didn't have children. I still don't, but uh, did, wasn't married or anything. And so I was like, I'm basically a pretty self-contained unit. If I'm going to like do something quote unquote wild in our society, like leave a, a pretty stable career, now would be the good time to do it. Cause nobody's really relying on me except for myself. Um, and then, you know, so led me on this path for about a year of figuring out what the fuck am I doing? Um, and I, you know, didn't have any income. I went from being very financially stable to not at all. Um, and trying to figure out like, do I want to, like what I want to do with this. And so through that, I sort of carved out my own little niche and started writing for mainstream media outlets, um, around, uh, like sustainable living and vegan living. And then thought, oh, you know, like maybe with no contacts or anything, I thought maybe this would be a cool thing to bring on television because people by and large watch TV and it's a great way to message certain things to folks and so started trying my hand at that and then the book later just kind of became a natural extension of that whole undertaking so i still don't you know there are days where I'm, i mean this is very much a, a side hustle that could be its own career for me but there are days where i'm like i don't have a discreet elevator pitch for what i do necessarily <laughs> and that's okay um, I think so we're all doing a lot of different things and I feel lucky to have taken the leap and um, to be doing something I'm really passionate about. Well, and I think it's great. I mean, I love the title give a shit because I think that, you know, it's all on our, everybody has this on their radar, you know, at some point in the last decade or so we have heard that we need to be, you know, living an eco sustainable lifestyle. We need to be taking these measures in hand. And I think a lot of people just kind of stuff their head in the sand and they're like, ah, oh, I can't do that. Or that's somebody else's problem. Or where the hell do I start? Like, I don't even know what to do or how to do it. So y'all figure it out. Like, you know, you, you got this battle. Yeah. And it's like, but that's not really what this is about. It's like, you know, one of the things that I talked about in my book is, you know, this isn't about everybody doing 45 different things. It's just do one thing. Like, you know, like you said, meat. If you, if everybody could go meatless one day a week or even two days a week, like you bring the supply, the, the demand and the, the supply down so that you're not um, putting such a demand on the meat market. And like, it cracks me up yeah. while we're in this quarantine, like everybody's freaking out that there's no meat and it's like, that's okay. Yeah. You don't really need it. Like you're That's going to right. survive. Yeah. Well, like, you're absolutely right. And quarantine is showing a lot of us some very interesting uh, revelations, I think, about one, human influence on, you know, the climate and the planet. And two, how I've at least found that sustainable habits make this a lot easier, um, make kind of being at home and slowing down the pace of things 
a lot simpler um, and we can get more into that. But I, I think folks are starting to see like, whoa, the, the way we were going a million miles an hour, um, the reliance on convenience foods and packaging and stuff like that is not sustainable. And they're finding that they can actually live quite well without it. Yeah, I, I think that this quarantine in a lot of ways is is really quite miraculous because it's showing us the beauty of nature. And I think a lot of people have, have kind of slowed down like, oh my God, there's birds outside. Hey, I saw a yeah. deer. And it's like, you know, they're actually noticing things that they hadn't noticed before. And you're right. They're noticing the influence that we've had with the busyness and the frenetic nature of our lives and how it's really harmed nature and this great pause has allowed us to take a step back and go, huh, this planet's kind of pretty. Maybe we should do something about it and preserve it. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Girl, so, that's beautiful. You should, you should 100% be our president. <laughs> that's, a, that's a much more inspiring way to, I think, reframe quarantine. You know, people have talked about it very negatively. Obviously, people are dying and that's terrible. But like the whole stay at home um, thing is, you know, to keep other people and to keep ourselves safe. And a lot of folks are struggling with it because they're so used to being out and doing other things. And I think like the way you just described it is a beautiful reframing of how we get to stay home. We're lucky that we get to have this pause in some ways um, and to see this whole thing unfold, um, not from the catastrophic like pandemic standpoint, but rather from the appreciating the smaller things that we used to overlook pretty radically. Yeah. And I feel like our frenetic schedules have really been a coping mechanism, you know, so that we weren't faced with the things that like the truths that we really needed to deal with. And so this is really allowing us to, um, and what a great time, right? Like this would be a totally different story if this happened in November, but it's not, it's happening in March and April when things are blooming and the trees are starting to blossom and nature is starting to wake up and come out of hibernation. And there's so much beauty that surrounds us it really does give you permission to say, huh, I've really been missing out on a simpler, easier life and the beauty. And like, you don't have to have a fancier car and a bigger house and more shoes. It's like, just look out your damn window and you have everything that you could possibly need. And I think that, you know, we're starting to see that. We were just talking uh, before the show how I, I'm having so much fun going on YouTube and seeing like people's videos of, holy shit, there's deer in the middle of the road or there's hogs in the middle of the road or there's goats. You know, the other day I was watching a video and it was showing like Morocco and Italy and uh, Pakistan and all these places where like there was like a big ass anteater that was walking through uh, this town in Pakistan, I think it was. And it was like, oh my God, like it's probably been over a hundred years since something like that has happened. Yeah. Uh, freaking anteater. Like you never see those guys. Sloths and, you know, all this crazy stuff and dolphins in the, uh, you know, in Venice that people have reported. And then of course, you know, the smog completely being cleared out in LA. Um, hello. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. that's fucking amazing. It's like, crazy. It but, just yeah, what proves. was it? LA had some of the cleanest air in the world. Like, and uh, same thing with India. I India was like, has oh, well, these places are you know known. They're notorious for having terrible. 
Yeah, India, uh, I saw a report the other day, I actually uh, put the link up on Facebook. They ha are experiencing the cleanest air that they've ever uh, experienced in over like 55 years. Yeah. Because nobody's oh. out and about. So Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think those are all like, I understand that industry needs to, to a certain extent slowly and uh, get started back up. But, you know, the planet I think is largely really enjoying us taking a pause and i think a lot of people are also enjoying as for as many people who are very restless to get back out there and return back to what we were doing before i think there are a lot of folks who are like whoa this is kind of nice to be alone with myself or to be home with my family it's it's a nice reprieve from the you know the kind of hustle and bustle especially if you live like in a city and you're just constantly overwhelmed with people, you're taking the subway, you know, you're going into a packed office. Um, it's a new, newer experience for some folks. And I think some people are really enjoying it. I know I am. I mean, you know, I'm in Nashville. We're not quite as frenetic as cities like LA or New York, Nashville. But, you know, and I, I think that um, there's something to really be said about silence. And I think a lot of people have feared silence and, you know, um, they are, you know, saying, oh my God, I have cabin fever and I'm freaking out. But it's like, if you really sit into it and really enjoy it, I think that we're going to come out of this uh, in a really new paradigm. I think we're going to get really clear about the things that we do and don't need and how we can uh, survive and, and thinking that we have to have X, Y, Z when in actuality, we don't need a whole lot, you know, yeah. and it requires very little to have a happy life. Um, and just imagine when we're all let loose, like how much we have taken for granted just being social and being around other people. Like we've totally yeah. taken it for granted and like how great it's going to be to to be able to see people and hug people and like be somewhat normal again. Like we have totally taken that for granted. Oh, for I think, sure. I think a lot of the simple things are, are what's going to really be um, fun to see. But I'm curious, you know, we're, we're talking about living a, a sustainable life and we're talking about being eco-friendly. And I was saying earlier, like a lot of people I know when, you know, I talk about my book, I always hear the same things like, oh, that's somebody else's problem or I can't do that. It's too hard. It's inconvenient, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. For you, you know, I love the way that you've laid out your book. I think it's, um, you know, I love that you curse in it, um, <laughs> but I love that, it, you know, it's really down to earth and you make it pretty simple and FYI, oh my God, let me just say to the audience, the tabbouleh, the tropical tabbouleh re uh, recipe that you have in here is, yeah. oh my God, is it oh, amazing. Thank you. That's awesome to hear. I appreciate that. Oh my God. I love it. So talk about being in quarantine. Hello. Make Hello. shit because it tastes good. Um, good for you. But I think that, you know, I think what's good is that, you know, it, I felt like I was just talking to one of my girlfriends, like shooting the shit. We're sitting down, we're talking about things that we can do that are super easy. And Hey, if it doesn't work for you, that's fine. You know, no big deal. Go on to the next thing. And, you know, no judgment, no shaming, just here's what has worked for me. Here are some things that I suggest. And, you know, it's lighthearted. It's an easy read. Um, and I think that you have a really great mix between, um, you know, giving us hardcore facts, which I think is important, but also like, here's what you can do with it. Here's take this information. Here's what you can do with it. 
So, you know, in this journey of being an evangelist for the planet, you know, what to you is being eco-friendly? Like, what is your hope that people are going to read this book and do with it, with this information? Oh, well, um, thank you for all that. Let's see. <laughs> my, my hope is that people read the book and it debunks some of the stereotypes that are out there that prevent people from even giving any type of eco-friendly measure a shot. Um, as a means of a little bit of background, so I am from Texas originally. Um, I'm not conservative, but my family members are pretty much so. So I would say some of them actually fall pretty squarely in the camp of like climate change deniers. Um, Plus you're from a meat so. state. Yeah, hardcore exactly. meat. Exactly. Um, but they're also very supportive of what I do. So it's an interesting um, balance there. But, you know, I over time had found different approaches have different uh, rates of return on success. So when I was extremely pushy and militant and shamey with, um, you know, people in my life, because I felt so woke and so shook by all of these uh, revelations I was having, I couldn't believe that other people weren't on board as well. Um, you know, that approach never worked. Um, and it's not like I'm looking to convert everybody, but I just found by doing my own thing and delighting in doing my own thing that other people became naturally curious. So um, my hope is, and I also learned a lot from, you know, my family members and, you know, from doing TV, like people who have very differing opinions. I stopped and listened to like, what are the things that are preventing people from taking some of these steps? What are the things they're afraid of? What are the things that they've been told before that are really old and not true? Um, and then I wanted to have the book be really geared toward um, addressing those things directly. So a lot of people still think that now granted living more sustainably has kind of become like an Instagram influencer, whitewashed, all your trash in a jar. Like it's become more um, front and center. It's become more trendy. So that's great. I'm happy to ride that wave if it means more folks are going to get educated and interested in the topic. But by and large, you know, a lot of people out there still think that living in a more sustainable way is horribly inconvenient, that it's crunchy, um, that they're going to look like a damn hippie, um, that it's expensive, um, and that it's not fun, that it essentially sucks the joy out of life. <laughs> so I want it, I, my biggest hope is that if someone gets their hands on the book or they listen to it, that they walk away feeling like, those things aren't true, that they can surmount those stereotypes. And then the other thing that I really hope people walk away from the book with is that our individual actions are extremely powerful. So we have been almost infantilized, especially by our political system, to believe that we can't make any kind of change that's meaningful unless our politicians or our legislators do it for us. And that is patently untrue. There are other countries that we've seen that have essentially like had pretty grassroots sustainability movements happening where, you know, there weren't like a lot of politicians who were on board who were making sweeping changes. Now with that, I'm not saying that we don't need like heavy industrial regulation and the EPA and, you know, the Paris Climate Accord. We need all those things, but it's a combinational approach. We need all those things, but we as individuals also need to be um, taking individual steps changing our habits to be a little bit more sustainable. 
And so I, you know, hope that people walk away thinking that they're powerful and that their individual choices are extremely powerful. And I, you know, I like to talk about how we've, even though climate change is a term or global warming is a term and a phenomenon, it's only been something that's really been at the fore for maybe two decades at most. Um, like we know that human influence has severely impacted the planet and unfortunately quite negatively. Um, so we've seen a spike in harmful global emissions since post-war industrialization started in the Western world, especially. Um, and that's really the advent of a oh, war is over. Now the apex of like the American dream is a three car garage, nightly steak dinners, buying clothes right off the rack, buying anything you want right now. Um, life wasn't like that, you know, before. And so all of that is essentially driven by individual human desires and actions. So if we, if those individual human desires and actions can be harnessed in the other direction, they can roll up to be collective movements that largely change the, turn the tide um, when it comes to climate change. And I'm not saying stuff can be necessarily reversed. There's some irreparable damage that we've already caused, but things can begin to pause and heal and go in a better direction. Um, and I think a lot of people out there think, ah, you know, what's, what's one person? Like, how can one person make a difference? What's me bringing my own cup to Starbucks or whatever? How's that gonna make a difference? And it does. So I want people to walk away feeling that they're they're extremely powerful. And I think that's great because I, I think that's what really the point of all of this is, is to make you feel empowered because I, I agree. I think that the number one thing that people always say is it's too overwhelming, it's too much, and what difference am I going to make? Like my little thing isn't going to matter. And right. I, I disagree with that. I, I And, you know, it's something that I've talked about for years that, all it takes is one thing. And so, you know, whatever that looks like for you. And, and what I found is um, I became a vegetarian uh, about 10 years ago and I just started there. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to make it a point to try to start eliminating meat out of my diet. And what I found is I st it starts to become kind of a domino. So you start with that one thing and you master that one thing. And it, you know, I did that for about three to six months and then I went on to the next thing and then I mastered that thing. And then before I knew it, I was, you know, collectively starting to do more and more and more. And I didn't try to do it all at once. You know, I just kind of started doing it over uh, a decade, basically trying to do all these sustainable things. And I think that people really don't realize how much that one thing can really dramatically uh, change the paradigm because your dollar equals a vote. So if you get 40 people to say no to meat, that's, you know, 40 farmers that are being affected by that. They, you know, there's not excrement that's being, have, you know, that is being produced. There's not antibiotics. There's not feed. There's, you know, it starts to have a domino effect. Yeah. So I think it's really important for people to see that you are one thing. It, it, the other thing I always have a pet peeve about is the people that use the damn veggie bags at the grocery store. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you put your veggie bags in the plastic bag to literally drive home for five minutes, and then you throw your veggie bags in the trash. It's like, oh, my God. So I share right. a, an example of if you just get the, the reusable veggie bags, you can save 3,000 plastic bags from going into a landfill a year. Literally, if that is all you can do 
that's huge. That's a huge thing. Absolutely. There, and those are such small things. Once you, you know, it feels a little strange, a little different mix up in your routine when you first start doing it. And then it just becomes such second nature. Um, I, a lot of people have actually found now because I live in Chicago. So, you know, we have a plastic bag, not a ban, but a tax here. Um, and it has worked. It has significantly cut down on the amount of people who are getting disposable bags when they go to the grocery store. Now with the pandemic, no grocery stores are even allowing you to bring your own bags or, you know, your own cups at places, which is understandable, but it's become such a habit for me and a lot of my friends and people in my network that were like, Whoa, we're still bringing them with us. <laughs> even, the even though thing. they can't be used. So it's, um, it's amazing how resilient, like, uh, the human mind is and how you can learn habits really quickly and pick them up. And so it's, you know, it, I feel like sustainable habits are very easy to adopt into your life. You give them one or two tries and it's like, ah, I got them. Especially those small ones that really don't make a huge dent in your routine, but they make a huge impact on the planet. Like you said, those many thousands of plastic bags that just that one act would like say from going into landfills. And it makes you feel damn good. I mean, I feel good. Like I, I do 40 things every day now and I'm like, and I'm saving the planet. Woohoo! You know, I'm like singing and getting excited. But I think too, you touched on the point of consumerism and, and how we've really gotten into this mindset. We've been conditioned to believe that we have to, everything that we own and, and use has to be brand new and companies have gotten really smart to where things don't last like they used to. I yep. mean- I bought a vacuum maybe a year and a half ago and it's already broke. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like really? Right. Cause I'm the kind of person that hangs on to shit until like I have a pair of uh, tennis shoes and like they are literally separating at the seams. I'm like, Nope, I can still get at least six months out of these puppies. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> why not? I mean, why not? Yeah. The planned obsolescence is very, very real, especially in current manufacturing. Um, it's really ridiculous to, you know, the, the, when I look back at like my mom and my grandma's generation, like my grandmother, especially like she would go to the thrift store and find sheets and she would not only make curtains for them, but she would make quilts out of them. And like, she would get 30 uses out of one thing and, mm-hmm. you know, they would utilize something for decades. Whereas now we've just been so conditioned that, oh, it's broken. I got to go get a new one or like cell phones. Oh, well, the new one came out. I have to go out right now. Even though mine works just fine, I have to have the new one. Yeah, absolutely. And that need to have something new, I mean, that's completely learned. We don't, you know, come out of the womb with the desire to have the newest and the latest things. That is a marketing tool. It's something that we've been conditioned to want. And it's, it's a stat, it's, we've been conditioned to think it's status. So thankfully I feel like things are kind of changing to where people are more interested in the longevity or buying fewer, but better things and having them repaired. But you know, there is that notion of like, new outfit, like, you know, need a new blender, new whatever. And I was gifted um, by my mom, which is very sweet. I love this item. It has helped my life a lot. Uh, One of those robot vacuums a few years ago. Yes. Yes. And um, I do really like it because I was like, I mean, I'm a neat freak. And so vacuuming became a little bit like 
of drudgery, but you know, I was fine with my regular vacuum. So I was gifted this robot vacuum, really was in love with it, was using it all the time. And then it straight up stopped working. Um, and I could have just bought a new one, but I actually looked for a vacuum repair place and um, ended up finding one. A lot of them won't take these like robot vacuums because they're, like you said, not really built to withstand a good cleaning or to be repaired. Um, and 30 bucks later, brought it into the place, 30 bucks later, this dude had it so clean, so amazing, working like a charm again. And I thought like, ah, that's like, there's so much satisfaction. It, did it take a little bit longer than going on Amazon and buying a new vacuum? Sure. But like there's so much satisfaction in having that experience, that exchange with someone who has been working at a vacuum repair place for like 50 years um, and how he takes a lot of pride in his craft and just like getting basically a, a new feeling product that is working perfectly well again, how such a small decision basically saved, uh, saved me some money and also saved that item from going into the landfill. Cause these aren't things you can like recycle. People are kidding themselves with the shit that I see that they put in like the recycle bin or they put out in the alley. I'm like, y'all, that's not, that's going to go to the landfill. Yeah. So, uh, I wish, I think we're going in a better direction, especially now I'm seeing people who are like, I'm learning to bake my own bread or I'm, <laughs> um, I'm mending my own socks. And I'm like, that's cool. But you also see folks who are using this time and they're channeling that kind of anxious energy from quarantine, especially being kind of an unnatural, uh, experience for them into like prolific online shopping. And that's something where I would almost caution people to be like, but what's the impetus here? Like, what's the emotional impetus around it? Like, why are you doing this? Is it a feel? Because there's a lot of, uh, not to get too like psychological, but there are a lot of psychological reasons that marketers know that drive our propensity to shop and to buy new things. And it largely doesn't have anything to do with actual necessity. Yeah. And I think that consumers need to be really cautious about that because when we do come out of this, there's going to be some severe gaslighting. People are going to be really focusing on uh, the emotions of all this and really tapping into that to get you to buy more stuff and, you know, how to get that feeling of comfort and to feel good again. And I think that people are going to have to be really cautious about um, moving forward, the things that they do buy, because it is a coping mechanism. They're uncomfortable. They're sad. You know, they're, there's a lot of anxiety and uh, freneticness to their energy. And, and so they're driving it into, you know, it's an addiction to, to shop. And For sure. I'm really glad that you mentioned the vacuum repair. I have one of those uh, Roomba things and mine died. I used it for a year and it died. And I cannot bring myself to throw it away. So I've had it stuffed in my closet and I'm like, someday, some way I will figure out how to use this. So I'm going to see if maybe my vacuum cleaner person can fix it. But yeah, I think You'd what's be really surprised. It's like a good, a lot of times they need a good cleaning and then it's, then they're back. Well, and you know, just the idea of, of getting something repaired and, and not having, you know, thinking about you know, where does this go if I buy a new one? Like a lot of people don't think like that. They just think I want shit to work and mm -hmm. they don't want to really, it's an inconvenience and they don't want to deal with it. So, um, you know, they just buy something new. And I, I think that, you know, there's, um, we have been conditioned to believe that new is better. And, you know, I, I 
experience it with my phone. I, I'm still using an iPhone 5. And mm-hmm. I cannot believe the amount of shaming. It's they're joking because they know me. They know that I, you know, I will hang on to shit until it like dies and has no life in it. But <laughs> you know, my friends are like, "Oh my god, that's so old!" And why are you still using that? And I can't even see the screen. It's so tiny, and you know, just all that shit. It's like, I think that you're right. I think that we've been conditioned to believe that we're going to be fancier and have more status, and things are going to be better. Um, it was one of the things that I loved in your book. I can't remember what chapter it was in, but you were talking about how, you know, the societal things that we have to focus on, like, um, like underwear, like at what point do you get rid of the underwear? It's like, you know, we're conditioned to believe that like, as soon as we think that they're, uh, like irreparable or they're gross or whatever, we got to immediately throw them away. And like, I was laughing. I was like, oh yeah. Like I hang on to stuff like that for like 10 years, but it's more from the sustainable aspect, right? Like until they're like, have six holes in them and like, I don't know where to put my legs. Like I'm hanging on to them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's, there's a level of once you get into this rubric of, uh, and that's why I talk about minimalism in the book as well. It's not because I expect people to live some kind of monk life, ascetic life, where they only have, you know, one spoon and a robe and that's it. And there are some people who take it to that level and that's good for them. Um, I would consider myself a minimalist, but my minimalism doesn't look the same as someone else's. But I would consider minimalism to follow that rubric of, does it bring me joy? Does it make me money? Like, do I need it for work? Or does it have an implicit function that I use quite a bit? Um, there's nothing in my house that doesn't follow that. Um, and once you get into a place like that, you have fewer items, but you're surrounded by things you really love. So if you're buying things or acquiring things, whether it's secondhand or new, that you really truly love, that you're getting a lot of utility or joy out of, you're more likely to try to keep them around and try to keep them in good condition. You're just more likely to take better care of them. Um, and taking better care of our things are, is part of what's going to actually like help us to live more sustainably because we're not going to need to buy a bunch of things under the excuse of, well, it doesn't work anymore. So I need something new. Yeah. And I, I just want to point out, I just found it, it. It's in the section of your book called in your closet and it's <laughs> called the ethical edit. And Ashley says, I just love this because I was like, yep, I do this. Uh, as in the case with toothbrushes and underwear, sometimes new is just the most socially ex- uh, acceptable way to go. And I was laughing at that because I was like, yeah, if people only could see my underwear and my toothbrushes, like, I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but especially be, because the following definitions mean that you won't be uh, buying blind. So as with anything, arm yourself with the knowledge, prioritize that virtues are important to and possible for you and go to town creating an ethically edited wardrobe you can be proud of. Treat welcoming new items into your closet a bit like the search for true love. When you found something that makes you go all emoji with heart eyes for it's look, feel, and most importantly, embodiment of wonderful sounds val- sound values. You know, it'll be everlasting love. And I was like, amen, sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many people have, you know, closets that are, I used to be like this. I had clo- a closet that was overflowing with stuff because I was working a stressful job that didn't make me particularly happy, but I had a surplus of disposable income. So after I would work these late hours, I would 
fucking hit the mall or whatever. I'd hit like, you know, some stores. I'd buy shit that I thought was cute in a fleeting moment. And my closet was full of stuff with tags still on it, full of stuff I never wore that wasn't like items that weren't flattering on me. Um, things I'd largely forgotten about. And I wasn't even as bad as some of my friends, you know? I got friends who have like three closets. I'm like, shit, girl, I see you wear the same thing every fucking time I see you. <laughs> and yet yeah. you have this overflowing closet. So that's something else, you know, when we go to buy clothes, we're always like looking at new. And there's so many things that are really stylish and really amazing that already exist. And so secondhand first is kind of my motto with everything, pretty much everything aside from, of course, toothbrushes and underwear. But, um, you know, the world of secondhand fashion, especially, is just booming, whether for men or for women or for kids. I mean, it is really an exciting place to shop. And for me, it's reinvigorated my love of getting dressed because the hunt to find a certain item that I'm really excited about or I need in my wardrobe is uh, so different now. It's it's almost like more gratifying. Well, and I think there's a lot to be said about having a capsule wardrobe and eliminating fast fashion. I think people really do not recognize what fast fashion has done. Again, it's something that you have been conditioned to believe that you need the hottest, latest, and greatest, uh, trendiest thing for the fall season and the spring season. And so you rush out and buy it. And then you do, you end up with a bunch of shit in your closet that you don't need. And, yeah. you know, you do end up wearing only about 15 to 20% of what's in your closet. So, um, you know, I'm a feng shui expert. And so I always say, you know, is your closet making you fat? Well, from an energy standpoint, if you've got a closet that's stuffed full and you can't get a single item in there, it's a coping mechanism. That means that your energy is out. Your energy is off. There's something going on that is bigger than the consumption. There's something going on that's beyond oh, the closet. So, yeah, and it's like, you know, if you can't get a single item in your closet because it's in, holy crap, three closets, are you kidding me? There's a there's something bigger going on there. So, you know, that I think that, and that was one of the questions that I was going to ask you from your viewpoint, you know, for somebody who's just getting started or, you know, they've been kind of in the lane of thinking, well, you know, this isn't really something that I can do and there's not really anything that I can do. Where do you typically have suggestions for people to start? Like, I love the idea of uh, becoming a vegetarian. I think vegan can be really hardcore for somebody just getting started. But, you know, yeah. meat elimination, I think, is is pretty easy, easy to accomplish. I think that uh, overconsumption of clothes is another place that can be kind of easy. The veggie bags. But what are some things that you typically recommend for people that are wanting to dip their toe into this and, and try it out? Um, I think that, so one, this may sound a little extreme. There's no one particular thing that I recommend to folks. Like when I do certain, you know, segments, um, the producers will be like, what are your top five things that people can do to save the planet right now? And there are some of the usual suspects like eating, you know, more plant-based meals or, you know, ditching paper towels for reusable cloths, things like that. I mean, there are small things. And in the book, at the end of each chapter, there are kind of those quick hits that take like five minutes or less and they pack a big wallop for people who want kind of instant gratification. As far as, um, you know, any kind of habit really starts with a mindset shift. And I think one of the most um, potent mindset shifts is when you do a financial fast. Um, and 
I say this because it really helps to elucidate what are people's individual consumption habits just overall. So for like a week, you know, if you can, or three days, if a week sounds too extreme, leave your credit cards at home, uh, only have a set amount of cash to maybe buy like, you know, groceries or something like that, or to get on the train or whatever, gas, whatever your daily absolute necessities are. Everything else, you're not buying it for the week. So what it does is it forces you to, one, use what you have. Two, it takes you, I also recommend people unsubscribe from like emails that are promotional in nature and they, you know, kind of like limit their consumption of like commercials and things like that. Um, so you're, you know, it sounds unfun at first um, because you're not eating out, you're not going to the store and you're not buying a bunch of shit. Um, but what it does is it kind of brings you back home to yourself a little bit. And I, you know, I was like a Sephora VIP, VIB, whatever times a million, I would just buy beauty products all the time, but I had a shit ton of them that I never used. Um, a financial fast, like kind of helps you to also start using up the things you actually have. Um, and it's the same with your clothes too. If you're being told like, or if you're telling yourself, I'm not going shopping for anything new for a week. Um, for a lot of people, that's extreme for them. A lot of people are buying out there. We got a society that's majorly in debt and that didn't happen by accident. It happened because people buy shit like every day. Um, so just taking a week pause from just buying stuff is really helpful for you to see how your consumption habits are. Um, what you find is a lot of people start actually enjoying packing their lunch, making coffee at home, um, working with and creating outfits from the wardrobe they already have, using up the beauty and personal care products they already have, um, you know, finding other ways to connect with friends that don't just involve going out to eat or going to a bar. Um, so it's, I, I think it's an interesting way to like, and an easy way, actually, once you get in the rhythm of it, to really look at your life holistically and go, oh, wow, like I have so many consumption habits that aren't just emotionally draining, but they're financially draining for sure. And they're actually pretty shitty on the planet too. And then you can, you know, slowly obviously reintroduce spending money again into your life. Um, but you have a different set of priorities around what do you actually want to spend your money on? Um, and what actually brings you a lot of joy, you know, something as simple as getting a cup of coffee, right? used to be an multiple times a day occurrence for me. And I never thought about it at all. Um, I didn't get a lot of delight out of it, right? It was just a, it was like almost like breathing. It was just a habit for me, emotion I had to go through. And I hurried through it and I didn't really truly appreciate it. Now, because I bring my coffee from home usually, now I really appreciate the opportunity to go to like a coffee shop, especially now after pandemic. Boy, howdy, I'm gonna be drinking all that coffee. but. Um, I really, really appreciate going out and doing that. Or if you're, you know, I really appreciate when I do get to go to like a consignment store or something and look at things and maybe purchase a secondhand item. That's really like a juicy, wonderful experience that I savor because I'm not doing it every day. Whereas before I was, you know, shopping every day, I'd go and buy a lipstick because I was feeling bad. I'd go and, you know, treat myself to delivery because I was feeling, you know, sad about something. So financial fast is the first place I recommend folks start. And you'll, you know, it's uncomfortable for a hot second. And then you find like, oh shit, my life's a lot better when I'm actually dealing with feelings as they come up, 
as opposed to buying things and consuming things as like a salve for those feelings. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, by saying, you know, really paying attention to it because by saying that it becomes a habit, you're literally just going through the motions. You're not Mm -hmm. even paying attention, you know, this idea of just getting coffee because it becomes a habit. It literally just becomes this, you're on autopilot and you're just doing it for the sake of doing it because you feel like it's a part of your routine and it may give you a momentary fix, but you're on autopilot. You're not even present. So I think that right. a financial fast, I think can be, you know, initially it might be really uncomfortable because it really forces you to face like, oh my God, I, I do spend a lot. You know, I'm, I'm constantly pulling out, wanting to pull out my credit card and I'm not supposed to because I'm supposed to be on this fast. But I think that what it does ultimately what comes out of it is that you get excited because you start to pay attention to what you're buying and you start to have a lot more gratitude about the things like you're talking about, like what a joy it is to actually get a real coffee now as opposed to one at home. And it, to me, it starts to turn into a game. Like how long can I go? How much can I, you know, how long can I get out of these yoga pants that now have two holes in them? I think I can get another year out of them. Let's see if I can do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the, it's the joy of, you know, it's kind of like how gratitude really can transform your life. Um, it's, it's the joy of looking at the things you already have and not just making do with them, but delighting in making do with those things. That's going to help you to appreciate the whole universe of things that you have. And everybody's got, you know, the average American has like 300,000 items, which is a shit ton. Um, it will make you, I think, at least for me and for other people who've kind of given me feedback on doing some of the exercises in the book, they found like their, you know, credit has improved, their financial status has improved, their quality of life has improved, their stress levels have improved. Like living in a sustainable way, I, I think has benefits to pretty much every other aspect of your life. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think quality of life improves astronomically when you really start paying attention to the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis and getting yourself out of autopilot and just starting to be present and a lot more mindful about the things that you do and how every little step can be so enjoyable. Cooking at home so that the whole family is getting involved and you're eating fresh stuff as opposed to running through a drive-thru or picking something up at a a restaurant and being more mindful about the clothes that you wear and where they're coming from and knowing that, you know, if you do get rid of something, it's going to end up in a landfill. It's just mindfulness. And to me, like, and I've noticed too, a difference, like uh, one of the things that I started doing after uh, becoming a vegetarian is I started using all natural homemade cleaners. I used to um, look at recipes online and I started, you know, developing my own recipes. And it's like, now if I use a commercial cleaner, if I go over to someone's house, who's used a commercial cleaner, I actually sneeze. I can't breathe my eyes water. And it makes me realize like, Oh my God, I used to use that shit for like all the time. And oh what yeah. It's doing to my physical body. But now that I'm using all natural, So I enjoy it because I'm making it and I know what's in it and I know that it's not harmful to me or my pets. So it's little steps that you're taking. And I notice it with food too, because I eat so much fresh stuff now, as opposed to additives, preservatives, and all the shit that they put in our food system. 
Right. Noticing how food actually has flavor and has, you know, taste to it. Like when you eat fresh, how enjoyable it can be. So it's really learning how to delight in the little things and the moments and slowing down, which is again, why this quarantine is so great because it's forcing us to, to take the great pause and slow down and, and really see the woes of our ways and see what we can eliminate and what we can get rid of and how we really do have plenty. We have more than enough. We don't so need to much. add anything. I love that. You're absolutely right. Like life just gets more and more enjoyable um, living in this way. Yeah. I think it's just so much sweeter. Well, I think that your book is awesome. Um, <laughs> give a shit, do good, live better, save the planet. Um, you are truly my spirit animal. Um, <laughs> oh my God, right back at you. Come to Chicago. I'll come to Nashville when we're allowed to travel again. I yeah. When we're to allowed to travel. But um, I think that, you know, I, I love anybody who has, you know, just a great perspective on ways that we can become more sustainable. And, you know, I think a lot of people think it's an all or nothing game and they've got to do 40 things. And that's not what we're really preaching today. We're just saying, you know, give a shit try one thing, you know, experiment with it. Maybe it's just going meatless one day a week. I mean, that is a huge impact and just seeing what you can live without um, and how you can, you know, do uh, different things, like how you can get things fixed and, and, you know, how you can prolong the life of things um, kind of like our grandparents did and yeah. you know, how the generations before us did. Um, if people and there's are no better time than right now to explore doing that. Cause oh you know, my God. we, we so all got true. some time, you know, to, to change our habits a little bit right now. Oh my God. We got so much time basking it, <laughs> like basking it. It's so Love awesome. It. <laughs> if people are interested in learning more about you, if they'd like to get a copy of the book, where do they go? How can they stalk you? Oh, that's sweet. Um, let's see. Well, ashleypiper.com is my website, Ashley with two E's. And I'm, I tend to be on Instagram. Uh, that's the one where I'm the most active. So that's just Ashley with two E's Piper, um, on Instagram, no spaces and book is sold wherever books are sold. So, you know, you could go the Amazon route. There are also independent booksellers, Barnes and Noble, certain targets and Walmarts and things like that. And again, the tabbouleh recipe, it's called <laughs> tropical quinoa tabbouleh holy shit y'all oh my god it is uh, i'm so glad you like that one because that's a personal favorite of mine i used to pack that as my lunch a lot it is just so fresh and, and summery to me it's just it's a great way to clean the palate it's freaking tasty as hell and like it's got so many good flavors to it and like every time i make it it there's just not enough i eat it all in one sitting i'm bad i'm really bad <laughs> no you're good you're good you're getting all those good, oh. good things in there <laughs> i mean i think that the rest of the book is like really important and she says some really important shit but the recipe is worth the book purchase <laughs> <laughs> well thank you that's high praise coming from you i appreciate it really good well thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge and wisdom with my audience and just telling them why it's important to get eco and shit oh my god i just you know i feel like we need five bottles of wine and endless amounts of time to hang out so hopefully you and i make that a reality sometime in our non-pandemic future and I'm, I'm very thankful that you invited me on this has been a blast awesome thank you in every walk in nature, one receives far more than she seeks. John Moore.
I hope that you've enjoyed the show today. I really just thought it was kick-ass and rad, you know, how I am, though. Because whenever I'm talking about the planet Mama Earth, I get really super excited and I get fired up. And I'm hoping that my excitement, you know, bleeds over to you and you get excited. And it's just such a great time since we're all stuck at home, you know. We have the ability to look outside and say, wow, nature is so amazing. It provides us so much in so many different ways and we can really bask in her beauty right now, right? And it really saddens me that our, like here in Nashville, our stay-at-home order has been lifted. Non-essentials are starting to open back up. And that's fine. I definitely want to get things, you know, up and running again. However, I think a lot of people are missing the point. They're raring to go to push, push, push and return and get back to, you know, the way things were. And I keep saying things aren't going to go back to the way they are uh, or were because we've got some pretty, you know, crazy astrology coming up. We've got Saturn going retrograde, Pluto going retrograde. Uh, we've got Venus going retrograde. We've got Mercury going retrograde. We have a lot of retrogrades that are coming up that are really going to stir things up. And of course, it's Taurus season. We've got Uranus and Taurus, which is forcing us to slow down. It's really asking us, like, do you need to be pushing? Do you need to be raring to go? Do you need 20 things to do on your to-do list? No, you need to get your ass out in nature. Because <laughs> that's also all about Taurus. It's an earth sign. We're supposed to be basking in our earth. We're supposed to be basking in all that she provides us and really appreciating her, honoring her, celebrating her. So I'm hoping that this show encourages you to do that. I hope that you go over to Amazon and purchase Ashley's book. It's effing amazing. It's it's a really great book. Um, and of course, check out mine, Easy Everyday Habits to Be More Eco-Friendly. Uh, you can, you know, hear about my crazy mom and embarrass her. Uh, we already have been receiving emails about how rad mom is. And yeah, I share them with her and she's just like, oh my God, like, I can't believe you wrote about me that way. I love it. Quote unquote, that way. Uh, that's how you are, mom. <laughs> so Anyways, I hope that you've enjoyed the show today. I did. I'm super excited. I've already been talking with Ashley about trying to meet up with her over the summer. Uh, Amy Ray and I always go up to my parents' lake home in Missouri. And so when we drive, where do we go? We go through Chicago, which is where Ashley is at. So I'm hoping that we can make that connection despite all the retrogrades, which, you know, screw up everything. <laughs> gotta have flexibility in this time gotta have flexibility so if you want to learn more about me head on over to my website interiorvibes.com now is a great time to be getting a floor plan reading find out what's going on in your home and where you can get some of that energy unkinked it's really imperative that you start to simplify and slow down and hey, be sure to head on over to iTunes, subscribe, leave us a review. I'd love to hear about your stories about how you're getting eco and maybe the way that you're, you know, having a love affair with nature. Would definitely love to hear that. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies. <laughs>